0: Welcome to the Digital Workplace Podcast. These are conversations with CEOs of digital companies, thought leaders, and solution providers about how you can become a level five digital workplace. For the show notes and transcript of this episode, go to thedigitalworkplace.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Digital Workplace Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Mary Beth Oaks, who's with us today. She is the CEO at Business Furniture. Hey, Mary, how are you?
1: Hello, how are you, Neil? Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, no, we're really excited to have you on. There's a lot of stuff I want to get into. You have a really interesting perspective on work in general, and then we're going to talk about furniture and all sorts of things that that are involved in work as well. But first, I got to check to make sure you, Mary Beth, are an actual human being. (laughs) Uh, So to do that, I'm going to ask you a question. Do you have a phobia that you would like to break?
1: Interesting. I would say I have a phobia. This is pro- maybe common. It's a it's a phobia of being like in really tight enclosed places. Like every time I step into an elevator, I have to think to myself, "What happens if this <laughs> elevator breaks down and I am forever stuck?" So yeah. So I guess tight, closed spaces would be my phobia.
0: I have that, but uh, like I choose to never think about that.
1: Yeah, that's my problem. When I think about it, that's when it becomes a problem. If I just don't think about it, I'm good.
0: Excellent. So no, I, I love. The idea of phobias, and I think like for me having young kids, is like teaching me to address those again to see what they're afraid of and what I'm naturally afraid of too. So yeah, heights has never been a big thing. Like speaking in public, I've been able to get over it. But I think some like snakes is definitely still there. I think that's pretty strong.
1: Yeah, I'd say snakes, mice, spiders, all of those things that are crawling around. I, I guess they're not my favorite either.
0: Yeah. Well, cool. Well, talk to us a little bit about business furniture. Tell us about the history of the company and your role in it.
1: Oh, well, thank you. So business furniture, we have been around, this is our 100th year. So we wow. started in 1922 as the first steel case dealer in the world. Uh, we have that distinction. So I'm very proud of that because I think it's really uh, super special. Um Uh, And so I, you know, I came on board, I guess, in 1922, or not 1922, it feels like it, Neil, sometimes, (laughs) 1992, (laughs) for for 100 years old. No, I joined in 1992, and I'm just one of those people, I really was not sure exactly what I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to be a broadcast journalist, but then I chickened out. Maybe I had a phobia, I don't know, but I just was worried about it. So I heard about this company, Business Furniture. I interviewed with the company and I just thought it was special. I wasn't sure about the whole furniture concept of working in the office furniture industry, but I really did just notice something special. I felt like they were an employee, like a place where employees had fun. They were in a a place where employees felt valued. I could even just tell that in the interview process, just the way that Mm. people interacted with each other. And I liked the fact they'd been around for 70 years. I felt like that that definitely made a statement about what they were trying to accomplish in their business and in their community. And so I was kind of hooked. My family was like, why office furniture? And I really couldn't tell them why.
0: You didn't like grow up wanting to work Work in office furniture?
1: Oh, no, I, I wish I could say that I did, but I was not that kid. I just, you know, uh, but I've loved it. So I've been with the company for 30 years. And then I had an opportunity to start another business called Corio. And that company started in 2008. And now I have a dual role with both companies. So I am the owner and the CEO of Business Furniture. And uh, we just became a WBE. So we got woman-owned business status about eight months ago. So we're very excited about that. The other kind of interesting thing, this is how I met my husband. Like so many people, you know, meet their spouses in the workplace. My husband actually was the owner of Business Furniture. So I started in 1992, as I mentioned, and then we got married in 1999. Hmm. So he officially retired from the business about a year ago. So he is still my business advisor and my mentor. So that's kind of nice to have in your back pocket when you need advice and support. Absolutely. Yes.
0: We all need somebody like that. Yes. Well, great. That is a great context to kind of look at this topic we're getting today. I want to get into the furniture side and just the future of what spaces look like. But first, we were on a panel and we were talking and you brought up the idea of modes of work, which I think is an extremely important thing, especially as we're redefining work, rebuilding it from the ground up, recognizing that you're not in the same, it's not just all work. Like there are different parts of your day. There's parts of your weeks that come through. So I want you to tell us how you define these different modes of work and what they are.
1: Yeah. So the modes of work, this is a concept that came from Steelcase. So we are a distributor of Steelcase office furniture, and they are the largest office furniture manufacturer in the world. But I would say they're almost like more of a research company that happens to build furniture because Mm. they really do care about doing the research, getting the insight that really guides how they create product. And it was kind of interesting to me. They came up with this concept during the pandemic. They were trying to think about When people come back to the workplace, what are they looking for? And the whole concept was coming back to something better. What does better look like, right? And so that's when they started talking about these modes of work, and it really made sense to me. So if you think about how you spend your day working, whether that's maybe at home or whether you're in your workplace or wherever you are, probably most people spend part of their time collaborating with others, part of your time focusing on individual work, part of your time building social connections, part of your time learning, and then part of the time just rejuvenating, taking a deep breath. So those are like the five primary work modes. And if you kind of just can imagine, like if you really think about where you spend your time every day, you can divide your time pretty, you know, pretty much effectively into those five buckets. What's interesting to me We did this exercise with a prospective client about a year ago. It was their leadership team. Mm. And we asked them to think about where do they spend their time in those buckets? How much time in each bucket do they spend every day? Each one of them was so different, you know, Mm. very different. And I think that was a big aha for me because think about that. I mean, that's why your office space or wherever you work can't be one size fits all. It's got to be able to accommodate different types of work. And those modes, how much time you spend in them probably depends on your job function. It depends on what Mm -hmm. your company does. You know, there's so many factors. But I think if you are able to support those work modes, you can probably do your best work. If you have places to do those specific types of things, you can do your best work.
0: So what does it look like for a leader, a, a company to provide the best environment? Just take one of those ideas. Like we'll take the collaborating aspect of it. Uh, what would yeah. it look like to create the perfect environment for that collaboration?
1: So I would say the perfect collaboration, it can be in an enclosed space or in an open space. It really probably depends on what type of collaboration work are you doing. So if you're talking about like the compensation strategy for your company, you may need something that has some more um, elements of confidentiality and at places that can support a confidential conversation. But so many conversations that people have when they're co-creating something or collaborating together can happen in an open environment. And what I usually find works really well is, you know, a place that provides like ergonomic support or some type of comfortable support, having a place to display content, but also having an analog way to capture, you know, brainstorming. So having a whiteboard. I mean, I think all of those are elements that people appreciate when they're trying to co-create something with somebody else. And that's really, when I think of collaborating, that's what I think of. You're trying to co-create something, an idea, a product, something with somebody else, right? And if you can make sure that people have a place where they can whiteboard, where they can display content, where they can be seated comfortably, you know, if you can support all of that within a collaboration space, you're probably doing a nice job. I would say kind of the icing on the cake sometimes can be access to natural light. Access to natural light has proven to be kind of an inspiring stimulus of how people get work done, right? So I think that's a good way. And if you kind of flip the coin and think about focus, right, it's the same kind of a thing. Sometimes people just need heads down, focus, concentrative time. That doesn't necessarily have to be in an enclosed space. It can be. It can be a place where you can close the door. But it could also be, you know, sitting in the middle of a team that you don't normally work with where you may not be engaged with what they're doing, And you're kind of anonymous in what you're doing because, Mm -hmm. you know, so I guess what I'm trying to say is I think there's kind of a notion that for focused work, you have to have a door. You don't necessarily have to have a door. Sometimes you can just put yourself in a situation where you're free from, you know, having people interrupting you.
0: Yeah. And that goes into a theme that we've talked about before a lot, just about the personal preference. Like when you talk about focus work, like I think about, I'll probably do my best work when I have limited visual distractions, so like peripherally, I don't like a lot of things moving around. A little bit of hum in the background is okay, but I, I, can't, like, I can't listen to music with lyrics in it. I can listen to music in general, but as soon as the lyrics come in, that, that's distracting for me. But other people are very different. Like They have to go to the coffee shop to focus. They need that hum around them and they need to see a lot of other people and that works well. And just to recognize like, wow, that, that's tough to design for each individual person to help them set up like that, right?
1: Well, I think in the old days, I guess, like when I first started in in this industry, you know, that basically people had cubicles or they had private offices. Maybe there were large conference rooms. And I think studies showed that that really was not always the best way for people to work in those five modes of work. Sometimes that that workstation worked for one purpose, but not for another. Right. So. I think that's where that whole notion came about of trying to build a variety of workplaces that help you do your best work. And I always think it starts with understanding what type of work do you do? How do your employees work? What kind of barriers do they perceive in being able to do their best work? Like for you, for an example, if if you're somebody that needs to concentrate in a place with few few visual distractions, but you don't have the access to that kind of space, Mm. you're probably going to get frustrated and feel like at the end of the day, you didn't move forward in the kind of work that you're trying to do. So I think it's just about really understanding how your teams work, how, how, how employees work, what their preferences are, and try to give them as much flexibility and choice and control in terms of how they work. And I think the pandemic was actually a good lesson about that because there were some employees maybe that thought, that, that basically just having like that one dedicated space would help them to always do their best work. And then you go home, and I know, Neil, you've heard me talk about this. I know my work from home experience, I have a beautiful home office, I love it, but sometimes because I'm an extrovert, I would just feel really caged in in that one space. And so I would find myself sometimes sitting on my back porch if I wanted some fresh air and sunlight, sitting at the kitchen table, if I wanted to kind of be in the middle of everything, sitting on my sofa if I was looking for more of a comfortable posture. So I found myself kind of working in different parts of my house depending on what type of work I was doing. And I think most employees when they were working from home, most team members had that kind of an experience. So when we think about what does better look like, better is just making sure you have that ecosystem of types of spaces so that you can choose where you do your best work. And there's a lot of freedom in that. And that, that might be at your home, that might be from a Starbucks, that could be from your workplace. I mean, I think that's when it make, it comes down to having to make a decision about where do you do your best work and how do you do your best work.
0: Mary Beth, you've been in industry long enough to see lots of trends go in and out. So I feel like the last big trend that swept through was like that open office type thing where it was just like tables everywhere. Do you feel like just the, even the concept of office trends is done? And now it's just like, it's all individual. It's all about like lots of options. Everything's going to be there. You're not going to see like one sweeping trend take over everything again. Or wh- where do you see things going from that?
1: I think it's exactly what you just said. I think it's really about that flexibility and choice and control. The the problem with the open office was, I mean, when when organizations just opened everything up, I think for people that wanted more focus or like a place to go when they needed to get away, that was no longer there. And, you know, if if that's what you need, that can be really debilitating. And so I think some organizations were really smart in how they planned their spaces, and maybe they called it open office, but really it was more about creating an ecosystem of different types of spaces, some that are open, some that are enclosed, you know, some that just were kind of a hybrid of both um, or, or could be both. But I think those, those organizations that were really smart in their planning, those are the organizations now that have an easier time bringing employees back. Those that want to bring employees back. I think that that gives them that opportunity. And so I, in terms of a trend, I think we're gonna see this for a while. I think yeah. it's it's not a one size fits all. I mean, everybody is so unique in how they work and in how they interact with other people and in what their job is. I mean, and what their what their what their function is, what what they're supposed to be accomplishing every day. That's also unique to each person. And even two people could have the same job function, but maybe how they both go about doing their best work can be very different. And maybe one's an introvert, one's an extrovert, and they may have different needs. Right. So I think as long as you're. Yes.
0: And even like day to day. Right. Like one day I want to be around people. The next day I don't I'm like the same person. But I go through that, too.
1: I see that a lot. We have in our space a social hub. And there are days when I see people working from that social hub all day long. And then there are other days maybe they're just there at lunchtime. Mm-hmm. And it probably does depend on what type of work they're trying to accomplish and how social are they feeling. What are their deadlines looking like? I mean, you know, it's just it's it's all those kinds of things, right? So as long as there's a space for them. to to be able to do those things. The other thing I like to say, it's nice when a space can be flexible. Like I think about our social hub, it's a very flexible Mm -hmm. space from the standpoint that it can host our company meeting. It can be a place where you can do focused work. It can be a place where you can collaborate. It can be a place where you can celebrate and socialize. It can be a place where you can just have a cup of coffee and take a break. So I think that's the other trend that I'm seeing, not only having a variety of spaces, but making sure those spaces are flexible enough to do the, more than just one thing. They really work hard for you. You really optimize your space when you can really think about multiple ways that it could be utilized.
0: Mary Beth, tell us a few interesting things you conversations you've had with people as they had that thought like, all right, it's, it's time to offer some kind of physical space to people. We've all decided that, yes, we, we would like this on some kind of basis, whether it's every day or once a week or once a quarter. What are those kind of interesting conversations you've had in the last few months about companies and and the questions specifically you're asking them to help them think about how to make this new version of an office?
1: I think the first question, Neil, is asking them why. Why do you feel like you need a physical workplace? What's the role of that physical workplace And once again, that's very unique and very specific to each leader, each company. But I think starting with that why will help you understand what kind of space do you need to create or provide or what kind of modifications do you need to make for your space. I think once you understand that why, then I think you have to, you know, bring together your team members, your employees, and really try to understand whatever you're trying to create or do, what are the barriers what are things that are going to be really great about what's happening, but what are some challenges potentially? Because I think if you can start to understand what the challenges are and have some empathy around those challenges, then you can help to work through those challenges. Mm-hmm. So I think it starts with asking yourself, why do we want to come back? And then, you know, what as we come back, right, what are the challenges going to be? What are the opportunities going to be? And then how do we either change our space or refine our space to support that? One thing I think is so critical is asking them about technology. You know, how do you intend, if you're going to have a a hybrid workforce, how do you intend to support people with, with technology? I know there have been so many times where I've regretted the fact that we have not spent more time focusing how to support people that are working remotely. Because in in our business, I know in our company, we have people working, you know, probably two to three days a week from home, and we still are interacting with each other. So how do we support that interaction seamlessly when we all can't be together? So I think technology has to be a big part of your discussion. I mean, yes, it's it's the space and how you lay the space out and how you create flexibility for your team when they're in the space but it's also about how do you keep the remote workforce connected with the folks that are in person and and that technology has to be really integrated well into the space that's that's something you have to focus on
0: Mary Beth, have you had much experience or thought about virtual reality when it comes to workspaces because it's one thing that as i'm thinking about these things you talk about modes of work like hey i'm in focus mode i need something you know, tight and and close and everything. So I can like, I could set up my own world here or my own office here. And then, hey, we get a switch to a collaboration. We can immediately switch the surroundings, invite some people in. Now we're going to immediately switch to this rejuvenation mode where it's more of a party atmosphere so we can move everything out instantly. There's just a lot of opportunities in VR. A lot of it is still coming to fruition, hasn't quite got there yet. But what kind of opportunities do you see with that?
1: I love the concept of that. I mean, I love how fluid that is and how you can be a part of the conversation no matter where you are, right? I love that. And, and we have not explored that dimension exactly. Really, where we've explored that virtual reality is we're helping, as we help people to define their spaces, we try to incorporate that virtual reality into the planning process so that you can see the space. And it's like you're walking through the space before that space becomes your space. And I know hmm. for someone like myself, that's super helpful because I am not someone that can look at a floor plan. (laughs) in one dimension and understand what that's going to look and to feel like. So I think even just that's been so helpful for our clients as they're trying to make decisions about what they really want because we can show them now what that's really going to look like as though they were actually walking through the space and they can say, oh, my gosh, I love it. Or, oh, that's not really what I was thinking. We need to start Mm -hmm. over or modify here. But I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens when those virtual rooms pop up when we can start really working in them. And it feels like we're really in that space. But I know we, we have not gotten there yet, but I know we will. I know that's the next frontier, right? So yeah. we got to be ready for it.
0: Yeah, yeah. When you think about the role of space in the future, I mean, obviously, physical space will continue to have a role like that's going to be there forever. But I think the role of digital space, digital architecture in, in some of these virtual environments is going to be really key. And, and to be able to r- provide that kind of flexibility and just options for people, like we said, and, and now I have that option, I'd be working from the mountaintops, you know, and watching the snowfall, I can be working from a beach and never having to leave my home. You know, there, there's obviously like, we're always going to have that real aspect that we'll miss to some extent, and we'll have to keep building into, but you know, to have something similar to that is a great possibility.
1: I think that the pandemic really taught us all that, you know, family, friends, like our personal time, exercising, doing whatever you do in your personal time is really important. And making space, you know, speaking of space, making space for all that is really important. So how you get your work done is obviously going to have an impact on your your personal time and your personal space. And so I don't know if it's ever possible to achieve the perfect balance of both things, but, you know, it is nice to think about the fact that you can kind of get them in a little bit more of harmony if you if you're intentional about it. Right. So and, and that virtual workplace could be a part of that strategy on creating some more harmony in, in, in your work, in your work and in your life. Right. So.
0: Well, great. Mary Beth, why don't you leave us with I mean, you're someone who also leads a company. You're not just talking about this and going through things. So leave everyone with just an encouragement as they make this transition you're in the middle of it. Like, this is like your business to look at the future and redesign space and rethink about these things. So, so give people who are also in that, that space some encouragement about how they should be thinking about the future.
1: Well, I guess how I would look at it, I would seize it as truly an opportunity. This is an opportunity like never before to really think about your company. What do you want that company to be? What do you want your culture to be? You know, if you look back on this time 50 years later, like, what do you want that takeaway to be? What's your legacy as a company? You know, how did you make a difference in the lives of your employees? How did you make mm-hmm. a difference in the community? And so I guess my, my, my thought would be take a moment right now as, as a, an owner of a business or a leader of a company to think about what can the future look like? And, you know, I guess don't be afraid to explore all the possibilities because yeah. now's a great time to embrace that change and to really think about where are you today? Where do you want to be tomorrow? and what's it going to take to get there i mean is it is it the physical space is it technology is it different types of talent that maybe you didn't have access to before that maybe you would have access to now so i guess my big advice is would be just explore all the possibilities now as such a good time to do that. It's a great mindset to be in. I mean, I really am a big believer in your mindset
0: mm-hmm. and
1: your mindset drives you right to what you ultimately want to go towards. And so I would have an, a mindset of, of curiosity, a mindset of trying to explore and try to imagine, right? A, a mindset of imagination to really think about where do you want to go? And now's a great time to, to, to bring your team along with you.
0: I love that. Such a great perspective to have.
1: Mary Beth, if people want to learn more about you and your company, where should they go? Businessfurniture.net. So www.businessfurniture.net. So we'd love to have continue the conversation.
0: Excellent. Well, well great. Uh, thanks so much for being on the show. We look forward to hearing from you again soon.
1: Thank you, Neil.
0: This has been the Digital Workplace Podcast. If you liked it, please take a minute to leave a review wherever you Go to thedigitalworkplace.com and sign up for our twice-a-month newsletter. It keeps you up-to-date on the best ways to build a Level 5 Digital Workplace. Music for the show is provided by City of Sound. I'm your host, Neil Miller. Keep
1: moving forward.